Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to IntelliBridge's channel this week, on-chain analytics, an emerging field which examines the fundamental factors of cryptocurrency to prove investments. And giving us uh, this insight is going to be Sam Shi. Welcome, sir. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm going to be just analyzing the Terra ecosystem and the various sub-protocols, and I'm sort of going to be diving into both the fundamentals as well as um, drawing inferences from the on-chain data. Um, no, that's great, Sam. And uh, to give everyone a quick introduction, my name is Kevin Wang. Um, I've been doing a lot of data science and advanced analytics stuff uh, for a bunch of different companies. So I'm excited to be here with Sam to talk about the Terra ecosystem and his analysis on it as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and before I dive right in, I, I guess I should introduce myself as well. Um, I currently go to Indiana University. I'm a junior studying computer science, um, and I've been an investor in the cryptocurrency space um, since junior year of high school. So, so it's been a while said, um, that I've, that I've sort of been involved in this space. So great to hear Sam. Um, I'm just going to be some moderation and hopefully some questions as I'll be here to uh, learn just as much as the audience. So, uh, we'll hand it to you, sir. Fantastic. So this is an analysis on the Terra ecosystem. So I'm going to be starting off by talking about the anchor protocol. So just quickly by the numbers, um, I'm going to compare anchor with its competitor one of the competitors compound, both of them are savings protocols. So I decided to use TVL total value locked as an important metric here. Um, so for anchor, it's 3.9 billion. And for compound, it's much higher, 10.6 billion. Um, and then in the parentheses, um, you'll notice different numbers, which are the numbers as of September 8th. And so Moving on to market cap, Anchor has a less than one-tenth the market cap of compounds. Um, and to kind of capture the relationship between the TVL and the market cap between Anchor and compound, I took the TVL and divided it by the market cap. And it was sort of interesting to see because I realized later that this was already an existing metric, except they were flipped. Um, but basically what this means is this is the dollar value of TBL per dollar of market cap. So in Anchor's case, it's $8.55 of total value locked per dollar of market cap. And what this means essentially is that the higher the number, the more undervalued it is comparative to a similar protocol. Um, so when we look at compounds, we can see that it is over, um, it is almost a fourth or almost four times the ratio of compounds showing that Anchor is much more undervalued compared to compound. And I think this is one of the strongest bullish signs um, for the current market. And some of the reasons why, which I'll dive into, is the APY rates. Um, so the deposit APY on Anchor is a whopping 19.5% compared to compounds 5%. And this is a huge difference. You can't even really compare the two. Um, and so I want to dive into the, both the deposit and the borrow now. So 19.5% APY, as I mentioned, for the deposit. And then for the borrow, the net APR is 18.73%. And how we got that was, if you see those numbers below, the 18.73 is, you can see the borrow APR, which is 26%. That is the amount of interest you have to pay as a borrower. However, you're getting a distribution APR of 44.73%, which is, 
which comes in the form of Anchor. They will distribute Anchor to you for borrowing on the Anchor platform. So if you subtract the two numbers, you get 18.73%. Um, so you will actually make money for borrowing if the market is favorable. Um, when we compare that to Compound, um, I took USDC, which was the best rate for the deposit rate, um, and the net deposit rate was 5%. But the borrow rate is a net of 2.66%. And you can really see how big of a difference these two protocols have. Um, and this really builds a very strong case for Anchor as an investment. As you can see, Anchor is not only undervalued compared to Compound, it also offers a much better value proposition. And so, hey, Sam, really quick yes, going sir. back, you know, are you going to dive before, um, are you going to be diving into details about whether or not that 18.73% uh, net APR is sustainable? And at what yes. point do you think, uh, so you're going to be diving into the details behind it, how far um, it can drop and uh, whether or not Anchor will ever get down to the compound level in terms of APR? Um, that's a good question. So the borrow rate is determined by the community um, a governance proposal. Um, and so right now it's supposed to be around 20% and it is algorithmically adjusted to try to maintain that 20%. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is kind of what you were talking about. Basically the reason why the borrow rate is so high, if you look at the arrow on the top, um, the top right, the borrower incentives, this is the amount of anchor that is distributed in millions to people who are borrowing. And so you can see that it scales up. Um, I definitely do not think it's sustainable. I think that this is just to get people to get into the market initially, but four years is a very long time span um, for crypto markets, especially, and it gives a lot of time for people to um, get into the ecosystem. Um, and I think I see this as kind of a temporary way of, of drawing people in. Um, and I, I could definitely see the, the uh, borrowing rate will definitely go down um, at year five uh, because I do not think this rate is sustainable. But I also want to talk about the deposit rate. Um, and so the reason why that is so high is not only because of the borrow interest, of course, but you get a staking yield. And so when you borrow from Anchor, you have to deposit what's called a B asset as collateral. And right now it's either B Luna or B ETH, um, Ethereum. And so you, for example, would deposit $50 worth of B Luna in order to borrow $100 of UST. Um, and that B asset is staked and the earnings from that staking is what goes into the staking yield. Um, is that automatically staked once you put it on the platform? Yes, 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 it is. The, the, the protocol takes care of all that and automatically distributes it to depositors. Um, yes, yeah, so some key points for Luna, or some key points for Anchor, excuse me, is that it's very layman favored. There's only one um, market you have to focus on. There's only one market existing that you can look into. When you look at Compound, there's so many different choices you have to make and you have to do a lot of research for like what's the best option for the risk um, and kind of what these different numbers mean. But if you're some, if you're sort of person who's not um, super knowledgeable about cryptocurrencies or finance, it's going to be a lot easier to get in 
on Anchor because there's just one choice. Um, and I think this is a, a huge, huge deal when it comes to um, mass adoption. And I think this is a very key thing that Anchor offers as well. Along with that, the undervalued ratio and the better rates really paints a positive picture for Anchor. Great. So moving on to Mirror Protocol. Quickly by the numbers again, uh, I just wanted to compare Mirror with a close competitor, Synthetics. Uh, both of them are synthetic cryptos. They offer um, kind of stock cryptos or, or cryptos that have their value based in a different asset. So I, instead of looking at the TVL, I decided to look at the 24 hour volume because that is the most important metric as these are exchanges. The 24 hour volume for Mirror is 37 million and for Synthetics, it's 33.88 million. So pretty comparable. The market cap of Mirror is 282, uh, sorry. Sorry for interrupting. How mm -hmm. about the metrics in the parentheses? So that is as of September 8th. Um, gotcha. So I was gonna circle back to that, but it's good that you mentioned that because we can kind of see the growth that Mirror has um, since September 8th. It went from 14.9 million to 37 million. Um, whereas synthetics had uh, much less growth. And then uh, um, when you talk about this, uh, when, when you talk about this metric, right, at 37 mm -hmm. million, is mm -hmm. that representative of all the trading that's happened on Mirror or is that representative of only the Mirror token volume? Yes, another good reminder, I should have specified. This is the uh, volume on the exchange. It's not the volume of the asset Mirror, but it's the volume of all the mirrored assets on the exchange of Mirror protocol. Mm -hmm. um, so it is the exchange volume. Um, so when we look at the market cap, um, 282 million, um, it's kind of been sort of the same since September 8th, um, 282 million compared to synthetics is 1.5 billion. So I did something sort of similar to anchor where I took the volume and divided it by the market cap. And so this represents the number of dollars in volume per single dollar of market cap. So for Mirror, it would be 0.13 dollars per dollar of market cap. And this also represents how um, undervalued this asset is compared to synthetics. Because it has a higher ratio in this case, that means that it is more undervalued using these numbers. Um, and it is, you can see how much of a difference there is. I mean, it's um, synthetics is 0 0.0221, um, definitely a lot less than Mirror's. And I also wanted to just throw in Uniswap. Um, Uniswap has a volume per market cap of 0 0.0816 for both V2 and V3 exchanges. Um, and accounting for the fact that as market caps get larger, it gets harder to grow as fast. This is actually quite a low number um, when you're especially comparing it to Mirror um, because as the market cap goes up, this ratio is gonna decrease. But Uniswap might have a harder time getting growing faster to a higher market cap. And so you would expect the ratio to be higher in this case. So are you, um, so Sam, are you telling me here that synthetics is, if we use Uniswap as a benchmark, then synthetics is uh, very overvalued, but mirror, and, but mirror is just undervalued and the gap, you know, given the fact that Uniswap is 
far bigger than both mirror and synthetics. And actually, I would argue that they're bigger than mirror plus synthetics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I think Uniswap definitely isn't a direct comparison as it is a different type of cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a decentralized exchange of all of the cryptocurrencies, um, including these synthetic assets. But I will definitely get into that because that has okay. changed recently. Um, but yes, I do definitely think this number, these numbers accurately reflect how undervalued they are. Um, definitely well, something, sorry. Uh, no, I was going to ask, a, what would be a good uh, dollar volume divided by market cap ratio, right? I mean, um, uh, do you imagine Mirror? Uh, so if we talk about future growth potential, are you saying that Mirror should be at where synthetics is? Or are we saying that Mirror should be moving towards an average of what Mirror and synthetics is? Um, I think in order to get a gauge of whether this ratio means anything, it, it's important to compare it to the competitor. So yes, I think I think as you know, as mirror becomes more mainstream, we're going to see this ratio go down. Um, and I could definitely see. I, I definitely believe that it will reach levels similar to synthetics, maybe lower. Um, it really just depends on how much hype there is in the market, how much of the value of mirror is priced in, as well as just the euphoric cycles here. So if we get a really uh, parabolic cycle, we could definitely see this ratio getting very low. But in a similar cycle to synthetics, we would want to compare the two in order to get a gauge for whether mirror is still undervalued compared to synthetics. So if synthetics also goes through a similar parabolic rally, if all of cryptos rallying and synthetic still has a lower volume per market cap, then that's uh, still a good sign for Mir when you're comparing it to its competitor. Mm -hmm. So here are the price correlations for um, various pairs. So Anchor and Luna have a price correlation of 0.56. Um, and I kind of have that graph um, of just the basic pair. Um, Definitely, if you, it, basically, a high correlation would mean that the graph is relatively stable. It's, it's relatively like a straight line. Um, and so when we're looking at these other pairs, of, um, for example, synthetics and Ethereum, it's 0.8, or Ethereum and Bitcoin, it's 0.95. So they're a lot less correlated to Luna, which was surprising to me since they're on the same protocol. And I think one of the key reasons why that is, is just because it's so new. Yeah, it's such a new asset uh, that it really hasn't had time to settle in. Okay. And so um, what I really want to focus on though, is the mirror Luna pair. Um, it has a price correlation of 0.22. And when I was presented to Ronald, this number was actually 0 0.04, which I double checked and sure enough, it really was 0 0.04. And that really surprised me because it was so low compared to synthetics and Ethereum. And the reason why I want to compare it to synthetics and Ethereum is because synthetics is built on Ethereum and synthetics is also um, uh, a synthetic crypto. And why so, do you yeah. think uh, the correlation is broken for yeah. lack of a better term? What, for sure. What do you I, think uh, the underlying reasons are or could be? Mm -hmm. 
Well, as I mentioned, I think one of the big reasons is that it's such a new asset. Um, and I'm going to be actually diving into that into the next slide. So that's a perfect segue here. Um, and I th so I think one of the biggest reasons is kind of the regulatory fears. Um, we can't ignore that as a factor as well. Um, although it being a new asset definitely is um, very important to look at here. So I just have a quote from Gensler. He talks about mirror assets specifically, cryptocurrency stocks, if you will. Um, and so he's just saying that these stocks, these mirror assets are or should be uh, regulated the same way as regular securities. And that comes with, with it a whole bag of, of laws and regulations and things. And so um, a lot of exchanges might not want to deal with that if they are in the US. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why Uniswap delisted Mirror and Synthetics. Um, and so we can see this line, basically July 23rd is when Uniswap delisted Mirror and Synthetics. And we can see that both of them weren't too affected by it, um, which shows a strong sign that uh, people are still interested in, in, in synthetic cryptos, despite the fact that there was this negative news. But I do think that for the previous time frame throughout the history of Mirror Protocol, it definitely has been affected by these regulatory fears. Um, but I think that um, more and more people have realized that you can't really regulate this, um, especially given the fact that, you know, um, Terra is so decentralized and, you know, if, if you're not a exchange residing in the U.S., there's not really a, a way to control this. Um, so on the top right, um, that's the market cap of the entire cryptocurrency market over time. And I kind of wanted to just point out the fact that both of these assets had much different price graphs compared to the overall market. Um, in the overall market, it peaked at uh, May 11th before that big crash we had recently. Um, however, in Mirror's case, it peaked around March. And in Synthetic's case, it peaked um, in January or late, late January, early February, as well as in May. Um, so very different, but these two assets are similar to each other. And I think the one thing they share, obviously, is that they're synthetic cryptos. And one of the biggest differences between these synthetic cryptos and the rest of the market is that they're dealing with synthetic assets and that comes with it a whole thing of regulation. So this kind of goes with my thesis that the reason why Mirror might be less correlated compared to Luna is the fact that it is a synthetic um, exchange. And so uh, that has definitely affected the price of it. And then I just wanted to quickly gloss over something interesting I found uh, on Google Trends. I found the interest for the term mirror protocol, um, it, which had a relative high um, late January, which corresponds to the graph. You can see right after the price really shot up. So I think it's important to look at Google Trends as well. I think that's something that maybe not many traders know about. Um, just seeing the interest, the, the number of searches for the following terms. Um, and then we can see Synthetics and Mirror also had, um, in general, just a jump in interest. 
But uh, I do want to jump into kind of the total value locked of both of these protocols um, and kind of showing the investor sentiment of that. So we can see that for mirror protocol to the left, um, the total value locked right before the sell-off was around 2.3 billion and it dropped down to about 1.6 billion, which is a large increase for sure. Um, but again, we have to compare that to synthetics, which is the most similar thing to it. So when we look at the sell-off for synthetics, it goes from over 2.5 billion to under a billion, which is over a 50% drawdown. Of course, it has recovered since then, relatively speaking, but a lot of the gains have not completely um, been is recovered. Is, uh, what is the reason behind that drawdown? I believe it's because people are unstaking because they're afraid of the market continuing to, to do badly. So they're kind of panicking and they're kind of less sure about the market. Um, uh, how about the value, the underlying asset that was staked? Uh, could the drawdown, could that have also um, impacted the price? Yeah, so that's kind of what, what I've um, sort of been talking about, which is just the fact that, you know, synthetics had the same sell-off. Um, it was in May. So they didn't follow exactly the cryptocurrency, the rest of the market. However, they definitely um, had a huge drop when the rest of the cryptocurrencies dropped. So that was still definitely a factor. And so that's why I kind of put the sell-off as um, the date for the rest of the cryptocurrency market, which was early May. Um, and so that's where it corresponds to the graph. So you can see that the total value locked decreases for both uh, cryptocurrencies because uh, some people might've gotten scared and they weren't too sure about the market. So they just decided to sell. Um, but what I wanted to point out here was that in anchors in mirrors case excuse me um it didn't decrease as much as synthetics um it didn't have as many people kind of seeing the sell-off and getting scared and and unstaking and so i think that this kind of means that a, a lot of people are really trusting in the terra protocol and mirror protocol in general and they believe in the long-term value of it so they're not you know, too prone to sell as soon as things turn bad. They're willing to um, continue holding um, in order to reap the gains in the future. Mm -hmm. Now diving into Terra Luna itself. So uh, I pulled the number of operations from a website called Blocktivity for 24 hours. And uh, these percentages are not accurate because they don't include some, some key um, cryptocurrencies like Solana, but you can still compare the ones that are on there. Um, some of the important ones like Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, EOS. So you can see that Luna has about over a half the number of operations in the last 24 hours compared to Ethereum, but they have um, almost the same amount as Bitcoin. Between Luna and Bitcoin are similar. Um, but I want to more compare it to Ethereum because they're more similar. Um, the only thing you can do with Bitcoin is send it to people and buy and sell, um, which are basically the same thing. But so Luna um, compared to Ethereum, it has, you know, over half the number of operations of Ethereum. But I want to point out that it's much newer. There's much less um, 
protocols built on it. Ethereum has the vast majority of these DeFi protocols and these other things like NFTs. Um, and so that definitely is a positive sign fundamentally that a lot of people are using Luna. Um, in this graph, I kind of wanted to showcase the UST algorithm in action. Um, so this is one day of the total supply cumulative um, supply chain change. So we can see Luna in orange here. Um, whenever Luna goes down in supply change, the cumulative UST supply change goes up. And I also want to point out that for the UST supply change, it's a positive number. So basically, you know, when you're looking at the left side of the graph, those numbers, that corresponds to the UST. And then the right side corresponds to Luna, which is decreasing um, during this time frame. So basically kind of just showing that the algorithm is in action. And I think this is just a, a cool showcase for that. So, you know, for, for those of you who don't know, whenever you buy a UST, that will increase the price of UST, but because it's a stable coin, they want it to maintain that $1 peg. So what Luna tries to do is to increase the supply of UST for the, to account for that increase in price. And so what they do is they have the option for people to trade in um, Luna, $1 equivalent of Luna, in order to receive um, a similar amount of UST. Um, and so that Luna goes to the protocol, which is then um, partially burned as signage. Um, and the UST gets into the hands of the user and they can choose to buy and sell it or they could choose to sell it, which would increase the supply. And then kind of zooming out here with this, with the same graph, essentially, um, we can see that in the beginning of Luna's history, it was very deflationary. Um, and now it's sort of leveled off to about zero. And I think the reason why it stopped becoming so deflationary is because of that sell-off we had in May. Basically the value of Luna went down. So people were selling. And when you sell Luna, you're buying, um, you're basically increasing the demand um, for UST. So that is what causes this inverse relationship here. Um, and that's why Luna's total supply change increased um, because more people wanted to get UST to get out of Luna during this market, which caused the algorithm to mint more Luna and to take UST to maintain that dollar peg. And so this is one of the important points that I will touch on in the future is that we don't really know what the supply chain will be like in a true bear market. Um, and that's just one of the things we have to see. And that's kind of one of the risks associated with this. And that comes with the tokenomics of this cryptocurrency being so good during the bull market. So I kind of want to draw your attention to the Terra USD chart, it's the Luna chart. Um, around May, you can see the sell-off happening. Um, it really dropped a lot. And then since then, we've had a, a sizable, a very, very sizable um, parabolic run. But I wanted to kind of overlay the amount staked in Luna over the same time frame. And so we can see if we look at when the sell-off happened in May, 
the total amount staked in Luna didn't really change. I mean, there is um, there is kind of a 21 day um, interval where it takes 21 days to unstake. Um, and I'll touch on that shortly, but I just want to point out that a lot of people didn't necessarily um, unstake their Luna in order to sell because I think the same thing goes with Mirror. They they were really hopeful in the market. They, you know, really trust in the future of Luna. And so I think this is a positive, a very positive sign for the investor sentiment um, regarding Luna. Um, and I kind of showcased this 21 day gap here. Um, so basically it's, it's a little confusing, but basically uh, uh, the left of the box, you're gonna be looking at the green line, which is the price of Luna. And then in order to see the corresponding um, change in the stake amount, you have to look at the orange line, which corresponds to the right side of the box. So um, basically the left side of the box corresponds with green and the right side corresponds with orange to see um, directly how the price uh, affected people's decisions in unstaking. So Sam, what you're saying is if, uh, you know, Right, like you're essentially saying, if folks want to unstake, um, they would have made that decision on the left hand of the box, and then we would have seen the drop in the staked amount on the right hand because it takes 21 days for the protocol to activate. Yes, exactly. But we don't see that 21 days after. We still see it increase, which is uh, a very good sign. But uh, yes, that is a that is a very important clarification. Thank you. Now looking at uh, on-chain capital flows, uh, these uh, the top graph here are the inflows and the outflows of UST in and out of the Luna blockchain from, to and from other blockchains. Uh, so it's kind of hard to see, but there's a line of best fit near the bottom there, the dotted line. Um, and the green line is the inflows. And it doesn't really look like it's that much more than the outflows. But the reason for that is that the scale of the graph is very large compared to the line of the best fit because we've seen some really big spikes. So if you scale up the graph to where 20 million is the top of the graph, then this difference will seem a lot more. But uh, regardless, the inflows are greater than the outflows, which means more money is coming into the Luna ecosystem, which again is a positive sign. Um, and then this is the UST velocity um, kind of correlated with the demand or the volume of UST. Um, and it's uh, been steadily increasing um, since the last month. And so what does 13.3 uh, mean? That means how many times one UST has um, changed hands um, or changed addresses in, uh, I believe it's, I believe it's the 30 day average, but I'm not completely sure. Um, and so, but, uh, so, you know, we want a higher number, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we do want the higher number because that shows that, uh, more people are using UST, uh, more people are interacting with this Terra ecosystem. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. And then, so kind of rounding it out a little bit, just some short-term observations. Of course, we all know we have Columbus five on the horizon. Um, and with that. Um, 
IBC through Cosmos, basically connecting uh, Terra with the other blockchains, which is very, very important for um, being able to have people from other blockchains come into Terra um, much e more easily. And then the tokenomics, that's another big thing. The, with the Columbus 5, um, basically all of the signage will be burned instead of just some of it. Um, so originally, um, the part that wasn't burned go, went to the community pool, but there's enough money, I think it's around $2 billion in the community pool, that I th which is, to my knowledge, the biggest of any crypto, um, by the way. Um, it, it was such a high number that they didn't really need more. So they just decided, you know, we're just going to burn all of it so that we can increase the amount of Luna burning, which decreases the supply, uh, which of course means that it is more deflationary. And that means it's better for the price. And then the third thing that a lot of people are excited about is ozone insurance. That is something that we haven't really seen in crypto yet in a major way. Um, I think this interacts really well with Anchor Protocol. Um, you want some sort of insurance when you're depositing UST, basically giving out a loan. Um, and you want to be insured. And I think this is one of the key things that, um, one of the key things that will cause uh, mainstream adoption. Because a lot of people are still kind of wary of the risk of depositing UST. They see there's such a high you know, APY, right? There must be a, a huge risk here if, if I'm going to be making so much APY. But uh, the insurance, ozone insurance will allow you to um, stay insured. Um, and then the other thing was the relatively small market cap of Terra, 14 billion versus Cardano, 75 billion and Ethereum's 395 billion. And these are all comparable assets because um, they're all layer one solutions, but you can see just how much potential there is for Terra to grow, um, uh, which, I mean, it could, you can see conceivably it could 10X, um, but I don't want to dive into specific multipliers. I kind of want to talk about Cardano is more valued than um, Luna, even though it doesn't even have smart contracts yet. And I think some people are getting, a lot of people are getting excited about that rolling out soon, but the fact remains there's, there's, they don't have working protocols on Cardano yet that have smart contracts, um, which is probably the most important thing um, when you're building this layer one blockchain. Mm -hmm. So now I kind of want to, um, to conclude, I want to talk about why someone would buy Luna, would want to stay, stay, stay in Luna, or why people would want to stay away from Luna. So one of them is regulations. Um, you know, people are not too sure, especially with Mirror, about synthetic assets. Um, but I think that has caused Mirror to kind of be undervalued because um, maybe a lot of people haven't realized that this isn't that big of a risk when you're considering the fact that Luna is so decentralized. The UST is the one of the most decentralized stable coins. Um, and the fact that uh, if you're not in the U.S., if you're not an exchange based in the U.S., there's not really a way to have it regulated um, if the country you're in doesn't really care about that. Um, and so that's kind of why I put, uh, but UST is very centralized, decentralized. So that, that's a big caveat to why someone would stay away from Luna. 
but some of the more legitimate concerns, uh, bear market inflation risk, I kind of talked about before, if we're in a bear market, that's going to cause the inflation of Luna to increase. So we're just going to see like, when there's a bear market, there's an even bear, bigger bear market. Where When there's a bull market, there's an even bigger bull market. Um, unless they implement some sort of upgrade to uh, account for this somehow. And when you talk about inflation risk, you are highlighting the inflation risk to Luna, right? The huge yes. supply increase because people are burning off UST. Yes, that's right. That's right. We're minting more Luna um, in order to, you know, and to do that, you know, you got to, you got to, burn UST, which will maintain that peg, right? And then the other thing, relatively few projects, especially when you're comparing it to projects like Ethereum and Solana, um, Terra, because it's such a new blockchain, there just hasn't been as much development on it yet, even though there are certainly promising projects um, such as cash. Um, but uh, another concern is high volatility. Um, and then, so looking to the bottom right here, um, I looked at the trading view historical volatility indicator, average of 10 days, um, Luna USDT 243, Bitcoin USD 82, Ethereum USD 100, um, which makes sense. Bitcoin is the least volatile, Ethereum is the next volatile, and then Luna is two times more volatile than Ethereum. Um, so that is uh, a big risk when you're looking at investing, um, especially when you don't trust the fundamentals of the project like let's talk about the relatively few projects in terms of uh how would you gauge the quality of the projects that have already built on been built on terra because you talked about mirror you talked about uh anchor right like uh and plus through your presentation you talked about their pros and cons compared to uh, other blockchains and other crypto. So what's your own sense engaged with quality? There is an argument that quality can trump quantity. And then there's an argument quantity can trump quality. But what's your opinion on this? Absolutely. Um, I think the really key thing isn't necessarily, I think the most important thing when you're looking at this is how good the layer one blockchain is itself. Because that is the most important thing. You need to have low fees, very high throughput, um, very quick blockchain. And when you have that and you're able to attract developers with the sizable funds that Luna has, Luna Foundation has, um, the Terra Foundation, excuse me, then you can attract people, developers who will realize this is way better than Ethereum's slow network and you're going to naturally get a bunch of quality projects. But I also do want to dive into the current um, project that are built on Luna because I do think that they are very strong. Um, and so basically that's the second bullet point, focus on core protocols. So uh, the Terra Foundation has spent a lot of money on creating their own protocols on top of their ecosystem. And this creates more trust and it creates better dynamics between the blockchains because it's built by the same corporation or excuse me, the same foundation. Um, and that is one of the unique aspects of Terra is that the vision of the project is so large. They don't want to just create a layer one blockchain. They want to replace finance. They want to, you know, create projects themselves, um, as well as obviously help from, you know, other outside um, projects, of course, but they are developing their own um, protocols that uh, work really well with Luna and especially UST. 
Um, and so that is one of the things I wanted to touch on as well, which is kind of the dynamics between these protocols. Um, and for example, how they, um, for the, they use UST or like a UST derivative. Basically, when you use a protocol on Terra, you're going to have to eventually use UST, which is going to increase the supply or increase the demand for UST, which translates to more Luna being burned. Um, so very strong outlook in terms of the tokenomics, one of the best in the industry. Um, the uniqueness aspect, uh, along with that, the insurance cryptocurrency, which um, we sort of haven't really seen yet in a big way, that, that is a big draw and just the, the huge vision that the project has. Um, and then just good general tech with like, you know, building on Cosmos, uh, very fast um, interop interoperable blockchain as well as Anchor um, with their high rates, which is related to, um, you know, them giving out a lot of Anchor tokens, but also just the fact that um, you earn that staking yield on top of the interest rate. And then the UST dynamics, uh, just how, you know, more demand for UST makes Luna go down uh, or make, makes Luna go up in price, but Luna supply go down. Um, and then going to the third bullet point, the staking return. Um, basically, when you hold Luna, you get a portion of the gas fee, the, the fees to use it, and the tax fee, as well as you get airdropped, anchor, and um, mirror um, periodically. So that's on top of the current benefits. And then the final thing was just, in the short term, Columbus 5. Um, once that comes out, uh, we're going to see a, a a lot more um, inflows because it's going to be a lot easier to kind of migrate your funds from other blockchains to Terra, um, as well as some of the up other upgrades that uh, I just mentioned. So overall, I'd say um, Luna is a very, very promising project. It has a lot of great protocols built on it. And um, I think it is definitely emerging right now as a, as a major competitor within the space. But yeah, that's that's all I had for today. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. No, thank you so much for uh, presenting on this. Sure. Yeah, um, this this was pretty incredible. Um, I do have a, a few questions I wouldn't mind rhyming through, but maybe what we'll do is if you guys uh, have some availability in the next week or two, maybe we'll uh, divvy this up into a kind of like a Q&A aspect uh, into Luna, some of the interest rates, the the regulatory issues surrounding uh, the current markets with that. Um, if, if you guys would make some time for that, it'd be really awesome um, because I want people to kind of maybe take this in a little bit. And if anybody out there has any questions as well, let us know in the comment section below and uh, we'll be sure to add maybe some of those up to the queue uh, as well, but uh, I don't want to take too many, uh, too much more of your guys' time. So, is there any final questions out of you, Kevin? I know you uh, asked the best questions. You clearly got the best knowledge base <laughs> surrounding this. Uh, no, I think um, you know we can. Uh, I can definitely add on my questions to that Q and A session as well. We'll continue. Uh, we'll continue bugging Sam here for all his knowledge. <laughs> I think that would be incredible. Yeah. So if we can get Kevin and Sam, uh, if we can guys can get you back in a week or two here, that would be perfect. Um, but in light of that, uh, I guess stay cool, stay awesome, everyone. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Absolutely. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.